Welcome to That's All, a weekly debrief about anything and everything happening in fashion and pop culture with Cozzy and M. I'm M, And I'm Cozzy. And it's been a big old week of celebrity revelations and interviews and covers and so much more that we need to talk about, yeah. but give us your rec for this week. Well, there's been, as you say, there's been a lot happening. So my rec this week, I've got one, just one, which is I think the first time this has happened. So my rec this week is this great piece in Vanity Fair um, about the 25th anniversary of Practical Magic, which is, I think, one of the best films of the 90s. Sue me if you don't agree. It's I pos- actually posted about Practical Magic on our Instagram earlier this week. And this piece is an interview with the director, Griffin Dunn, who is actually... Hollywood royalty. His dad was Dominic Dunn, who was the legendary Vanity Fair writer who covered crime trials and the OJ trial and everything. And his aunt was Joan Didion. So he directed Practical Magic, which I found out. And it's just a really great kind of deep dive into the film's legacy, the fashion, you know, the soundtrack, the house, the aunts, the everything to do with the film, the witch consultant that they had, which was like insane. There was a witch consultant. There was a witch consultant. And then she like cursed, the, they think that she like cursed the production, but it's so cute. And I think the film is just so wonderful. It's still a little bit dark. Like I find it quite scary. I have to skip over parts of it but essentially the film is if you're not familiar with the film it's focused on these two sisters one played by Nicole Kidman and one the other played by Sandra Bullock and they are witches and they live in this small little town in this fantastic house with their two aunts who are also witches one played by Stockard Channing and the other played by Diane West and the sister Gillian played by Nicole Kidman doesn't have the best taste in men and she has this kind of horrible boyfriend who they they kill him basically that's not a spoiler and that's not a spoiler and also this film was released 25 years ago so get a grip uh <laughs> they kill him and then he comes back as kind of a demon spirit and they have to sort of deal with that while a cop comes to town to investigate the, this guy's disappearance but he's actually a demon uh now and it's sort of them dealing with the cop them dealing with the demon and the bonds of sisterhood. Some really great tidbits in the article were, so the production designer was approached after the film, she became a really in-demand interior decorator. Oh, wow. Which is insane because the the house that they live in in the film is like so beautiful. And apparently people like Ben Stiller saw the movie and he was like, I want you to do my house. Barbara Streisand approached the production designer and said, I want the kitchen from Practical Magic, which I just think is hilarious that's so fun and yeah and and Griffin Dunn tells this really great story actually he says just two nights ago I was in my local restaurant in the Hudson Valley Paul Rudd is one of my neighbors and he came over and said my son's girlfriend is obsessed with the movie can I bring her over she just wants to talk to you about it she joined our table and asked me the same questions you're asking just devoured every tiny detail about it that was enormously satisfying and I just think that's so lovely like it's just it's one of those kind of funny movies where tonally it's kind of comedic kind of scary kind of like this lovely rumination on womanhood and sisterhood and and things like that and living in a small town and it yeah it sort of shifts a lot I do get scared by parts of it and also it's coming it's it's you know it's October it's nearly Halloween it's time to time to rewatch Practical Magic what have you been reading watching doing this week what's your rec I actually have a really easy rec this week and it's another magazine piece it's a piece published in Vogue called In Defense of Trying it was written by Jose Criales and Zoita we love who is one of our favorite okay. fashion commentators I feel he has the whole insider outsider thing going on like he's in the industry but he has some kind of air of 
objectivity mm. about everything he does and writes. And this piece was no different. He basically breaks down the idea that you need to not care to make it in fashion, that not trying or appearing effortless about everything you do is what makes you cool. But there's been a shift in the past couple of years, which is a very welcome and needed and refreshing change. Mm. And I really enjoyed this piece. And I recommend everyone who is a little bit disillusioned with the fashion industry. Yeah, fashion, any kind of creative field, because I feel very strongly about caring about things. And I still fall into that trap of not showing how much I'm trying, Mm. even though I try a lot. Well, I think we've talked about that before. Like it's being enthusiastic and and being passionate about things, I think fashion particularly that industry is seen as very nonchalant and it's supposed you're supposed to look like you've just not rolled out of bed but like oh I've just put the first thing that I saw on whereas in reality you've taken like hours to think about what you're wearing and how you've done that one strand of hair and yeah you know what lipstick are you going to wear in but it has to seem like oh I just you know just put this on or whatever I just stumbled across this like perfect outfit in my thrifting adventures like yeah. I didn't scour the internet for this one particular piece it's a little bit exhausting and I feel that yeah working in fashion means you have to come across like that mm. but then at the same time working in a creative role where you put your heart and soul and brain into everything that you do it's a weird balance to strike and it's also like if you put your heart and soul into like a creative endeavor why can't that extend to what you wear and how you present yourself exactly so it's nice to know that there's hope in various corners of the internet and jose sets that out brilliantly and i think that he's very enthusiastic in everything he does like he's not i think that's that's to be said to be honest of most of the vogue runway team Yes. Like all of the Vogue on my team, I feel like they're very passionate because their role is to go back through archives and through history and link looks together and think about that sort of thing. So it's like you kind of have to have, I mean, I think in any corner of the creative industry, you have to have that passion, but I think they really showcase it. Yeah. I really show it. And I think he's always so excited to be doing things. And he's like, I'm here, I'm doing Fashion Week. I'm so excited. And he always, I love that he constantly makes Devil Wears Prada references yes whereas other magazines would find that a little bit kitschy or Mm, yeah he's always like don't be ridiculous Andrea (laughs) all the time which I think is quite refreshing that he's aware of where he's working what he's doing the privilege of that and yeah I just think it's really nice and I wish that wasn't exclusive to fashion researchers I wish it was everyone yeah so get on Jose's level everybody yeah, in defense of trying, check it out. But speaking of trying, though, can we talk oh my God. about oh my God. Taylor Swift? Because that is an esteemed woman. Yes, she's trying and she's succeeding. So the Eras Tour movie is out. And yesterday, Emily and I went to the movies to go see it. We did a podcast outing, an excursion, if you will. A little friend day. I feel like our friendship's really weird because most of the time we're catching up, it's over a microphone. Yeah, and even like we saw the movie yesterday and both had lots of thoughts about it. And when we we got lunch afterwards and I was like, so what did you think? And then Em was like, I just need to keep all my thoughts in. I need to talk to you about them tomorrow when we record. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fair. That's That's so fair. fair. So we, we haven't really unpacked a huge amount of the film. We had like preliminary thoughts that we discussed over our Thai food. But yes, we went to go see the Eras tour yesterday so it's a film version of her concert it was captured over three nights in los angeles and i'm shocked that it was captured over three nights because it was flawless it was no issues with continuity you couldn't tell the film is basically raking it in at the moment the film's taken in 32 million dollars just in the second box office weekend so this weekend 
in America. I believe that's just in America, not globally. I was worried. I wasn't worried. My friends were worried (laughs) about seeing it because they didn't want it to spoil the experience of when we go right in february so i was umming and ahhing because they were umming and ahhing and then i thought i'll stop this i need to i need to see it it's a cultural experience but the film was it was two and a half hours nearly three hours almost got a uti because oh yeah we we were both like we can't pee we both ended up peeing but we'll talk more about that uh, later so essentially the film is the entire concert there were five songs that were dropped from the film okay what were your thoughts I loved it and I felt I was representing a special group of people because I'm definitely a fan Mm. of Taylor Swift but I'm not an invested fan okay so I never even attempted to get concert tickets just because I know that there are so many people especially in Australia because she's doing what two shows she's doing three or four in Sydney now at least but she's not going everywhere she's going to like Sydney and Melbourne yeah. I don't even think she's going to Brisbane. No, she's not. She's not going to New Zealand. Like, no. There are so many fans, like diehard fans, mm. who deserve those tickets. So I didn't even, I did not join that game. That is so nice of you. Also because with what money? Yeah, that's true. I Yeah. And there's no way I would feel comfortable taking that ticket from someone who knows all the words. And that was one thing that I wasn't sure about. But sitting there, I actually knew the words to a surprising number of songs. This just shows her influence. She's just the so amount of pervasive. Hits, the amount of hits she's churning out. Because it's she's taking you on a tour of 17 years of music. Wow. God, when you put a number to it. I know. Because you were an early fan. I remember getting Fearless, the CD for my ninth birthday. And that was like, that changed my life. But then I kind of feel like I missed out on something because it wasn't cool to like her by the time I got to like high school. Oh, 100%. That was when I started to like her was when it wasn't cool. And I rallied, I railed against it. You were a brave soldier. She just wasn't even on my radar. I put her in that category of like... You know, like NPC music when you get in someone's car and they're listening to like Top 40 and you're like, do you listen to this all the time? (laughs) Yeah. I've never heard it described as NPC music before. (laughs) But it is. Yeah, I get it. So I'd put her in that category and just like, I knew there was drama around her and I was interested in that, but I didn't see past Taylor Swift as a singer. So yeah, going into this, I didn't really know what to expect and I've come out in complete awe of the Taylor Swift spectacular. Also, because I've only been to one stadium tour. Really? And it wasn't great. What was it? Harry Styles. Oh, interesting. Did you see it in Brisbane? No, Sydney. I was up kind of in like the first section of nosebleeds. Oh, okay. So I wasn't on the ground. It was packed. It was too high. Like all we could see was this little like yellow man. Could you hear? Like was the sound all right? No, the sound was not good. Oh no. We could hear the crowd singing, but his vocals like weren't very loud. Oh, that's horrible. So having that experience then going into this, I was like, how can she put on such massive shows? Yeah. It was kind of incredibly she can. It was kind of insane seeing the size of the stadium and just the sheer amount of people. But yeah, so I feel like I came from like a unique kind of not perspective position no I going it's a perspective going into this I loved it in absolute awe yeah knew a surprising number of songs have come out uh, a new woman a new woman an advocate, an advocate. <laughs> what were your thoughts as a fan fan well I loved it as well I think the entire time we were in the movie I kept just saying oh my god there was some points where I w- and I also didn't know all of the songs that were going to be on the set list. I was surprised at some of them and they were nice surprises. But it was a lot of emotional whiplash going between songs and going between eras. I think particularly it struck me in the first two songs, which she starts in the lover era. 
when she does Cruel Summer and she just immediately captures the crowd, I was just like, I'm looking at the personification of power. She's the personification of like female power, capitalist power. I was just like, this woman is just, she's holding everyone in the palm of her hand and she knows it. And that's how you know that she's a good performer because I came out of that feeling like she'd put on a personal concert for me individually. I thought we were friends. I thought she knew who I was and you could tell that she was doing that to every single person in that stadium. I read this really interesting article in The Hollywood Reporter uh, in their review of the show and it kind of they kind of talk about that how she's d- speaking directly at you when she's pointing at the camera it's you seeing her go through her different eras the different types of music she does she's able to encapsulate all of that and when she's going from you know soulful ballads to then like going into the reputation era it's like that is who she is like as a whole person it's all these songs create her but the hollywood reporter say Something really interesting that it's a bit of a paragraph, but I'm going to read it. She said, they say, after nearly two decades under public scrutiny, she knows precisely how to wink or smirk or bend her spine to make her look exactly as flirty or mischievous or sexy as she needs to be. More crucially, she knows how to embody the many contradictions demanded of her. The woman on stage manages to be both powerful enough to make a crowd scream themselves hoarse with the point of a finger and so modest enough that she claims to feel guilty even asking us to let her sing one more song before she goes. She's been a successful musician longer than she's been an adult, but she still gushes at her premiere that I can't believe I get to do music as a career. Whether this humility is genuine is beside the point. What matters is that she performs it seamlessly enough that the people who want to believe it can. That's so bang on. Right? I read it and I was like, that was the experience yesterday. And I believe it. I believe her. Like I believe that she loved every minute of it and that she was singing to us. But it also made me feel like I really should go to Pilates because she physically looks so strong. Yeah. And the moves that she was doing and the fact that she could sing for three hours and dance and put on that entire show without looking breathless. And she barely even sweated. Like I sweat more going on the train. She looked beautiful. And also I did love that she there was not a single hair out of place on her body like she looked incredible but then her nails like all short and chipped I know (laughs) I loved the nails I loved seeing that yeah one of us she's just got a lot going on it was very cute there was a woman next to us with a couple of her kids or I think she was with another mother and their children and she was crying she cried during you belong with me which I thought was a bit random but (laughs) in my mind I was like she's had a hard divorce and this song got her through it or I invented this whole backstory for her in the middle of the film (laughs) in reality she just had like a bad breakup when she was 16 yeah it's like taking her back but I thought it was so cute and our cinema wasn't completely hectic which I thought was quite nice yeah but everyone was getting into it everyone was everyone was getting into it but was respectful we didn't have like kids with glow sticks or anything which I was worried about no no crazy dancing or no because he is like my personal Taylor Swift correspondent (laughs) and I think it was so good to go with someone who knows about her like knows her lore every so often I turn and be like is this song about this person yeah you'd be like is this about Joe I'm like I think so but I'm also not sure but also it depends on who you ask because (laughs) songs have multiple meanings so never a straight answer but still yeah it's it's just I take I'm on a journey yeah. in my answer. But we also, like, as Em said, like, we both nearly got UTIs because we were, like, we can't pee. Yeah. You peed at the end of All Too Well. Because I knew that it was – because she did the 10-minute version. Yeah, it goes on. And so I knew that there was, like, a little musical outro. I didn't know about the outro. I should have gone when you went. But straight after that was – they went into folklore and the first song was The One. 
which I love. That's a great song. But I was just like, I'm not going to be mad if I miss this. So I just ran. I ran. I was like, <laughs> I, and I was like, I have to get back while the song's still playing because I didn't know what was going to be next. <laughs> Managed to do it. But it was the like, I think the best decision. Honestly. It's a sport. It was a sport. I hate peeing in movies. I never, I didn't even pee during Oppenheimer. Oh my God. Speaking of Christopher Nolan, he's come out saying yay Taylor Swift, talking about the Eras Tour film, because he he basically was in a discussion a few days ago and said Taylor Swift is about to show the, show the studios because her concert film is not being distributed by the studios. It's being distributed by a theatre owner, AMC, and it's going to make an enormous amount of money. And he's basically just saying it's important that the studios are seeing that there are other ways for films to make money ergo like during the you know the strike and everything it's important to see like other creative ways of distributing films so yeah good on Christopher Nolan for you know loving our girl yeah standing up for the girl not that he sh- not that he needs to she's fantastic no. with or without his support but it's just an added nice bonus to know that he likes her and it's kind of an fu to all of like the film bros and I literally who- was about to be like I bet the film yeah. bros are spewing I love it they yeah. would love to discredit Taylor but they god the king has stood up for her i also love that he kind of like weaves his way into the girls culture like have you seen that video of him at the like mtv movie awards i think in 2002 no and he's eminem's performing on stage oh yes and the camera pans to britney murphy and she's like she's like doing the middle finger yeah and he's like right behind her and he is just like completely like stone-faced no emotion he's just standing still i love but even like when barbie came out and stuff he was like yeah i'm gonna go see barbie yeah like he wasn't putting it down at all he was just like what's important is getting people back in a theater yeah whatever we're going to see at the theater it doesn't matter and i love that i like that like inter industry into genre support same i think it's you know who's got time to hate on stuff well us because we hate on a lot but who's got time to hate on stuff when you're a you know cinematic auteur but okay what was your favorite part of the eras tour i don't know if there was like a favorite song i think i just liked everything but i just kept looking at the dancers oh yeah they were so fun they were so beautiful they were mental they were so talented and i think that's when i went oh my god no wonder this cost so much money mm the best of the best yeah i just thought the dances were incredible mm. but also just the like set i understand now I why they can't do it everywhere why they need a specific stadium or something like that yeah. because it was insane and i liked that the band when you like see her stage the band are on the side they're not actually even on the stage because she needs every centimeter of space on the stage for different things she performs to every single corner every single surface of that space there's a section an acoustic section in the concert where she does like two surprise songs so she'll pick two songs from her back catalog and perform them acoustically i thought that was nice i liked that variety said this interesting thing about it so she did there's one song from her debut album and one song from midnight's her latest album and variety said in those two choices separated by 16 years and calibrated for a sense of bookending and breadth you get both extremes of swift music sheer jubilation and high anxiety (laughs) i thought that was really interesting me every day i feel like i'm still on a high from it like i need to go see it again you are going to see it i am going to i know i'm seeing her in person that's in february it's a very different experience i need to go see it in the cinema again but talking about kind of pop icon princesses angels of the industry Let's go and talk about Britney Spears because she has been on it lately. Yes. Britney Spears is releasing a tell-all memoir on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. I can't believe it's coming this soon. I'm so excited. It's titled The Woman in Me. And people published an excerpt this week. So a few revelations have already come out. But 
overall the pre-release coverage has been pretty questionable like people have been latching to different Mm. facts and tidbits and things that maybe aren't the point like I I've never really known that much about Britney Spears I know that she has received awful treatment Mm. by the media over the years but I wasn't super interested in reading a memoir and that wasn't helped when the first two pieces I saw about it were headlined Britney reveals how she lost virginity and Britney reveals her drug of choice and Ugh. I just wasn't interested like if that's what we're, we're reporting on surely there can't be much like else substance happening but I was wrong there's a lot happening I know more about Britney but did you watch any of the Britney documentaries no okay I kind of kept up with it a little bit but only out of interest sake okay at that point when the whole like free Britney thing happened I was working as an entertainment producer so I had to I read like a lot about it because we were having to report on it every day so I very quickly got to understand what a conservatorship is and who all these people are and and things like that so I feel like I know a lot more about it than I think I do because I've like soaked it up by osmosis every day Totally, but I didn't I knew it was like gonna be dark but then she talks about her relationship with Justin Timberlake who I do not like Justin Timberlake just to like put that one out there I think the only good thing he's ever done is the social network I hate how much his music slaps but I don't really like know his I know I like sexy back and I like mirrors oh and I do like what goes around comes around yeah I cry me a river I love but now knowing that it's about Britney yeah he did her so wrong so yeah so a lot of the coverage that's that's come out now is is about their relationship because they were the golden couple of the industry and their little double denim horrible outfits and and one of the biggest things that's come out of the memoir is that she says that she had an abortion with Justin's baby and she said Justin definitely wasn't happy about the pregnancy he said we weren't ready to have a baby in our lives that we were way too young it was a surprise but for me it wasn't a tragedy I loved Justin so much I always expected us to have a family together one day I don't know if that was the right decision if it had been left up to me alone I never would have done it and yet Justin was so sure that he didn't want to be a father pretty damning yeah and tricky when you're talking about them when they were really really young and Mm. they had just gone from that like they met on the set of mickey mouse clubhouse and they were innocent and sweet and lovely and then they were moving into that early noughties partying being young and all of that like it's such a i think that him not being ready to be a father is one thing but then she's also revealed that he broke up with her via text message that a rat he, yeah, he did that. Then he wrote, he did Cry Me a River, which was basically like a diss track. And Britney said that it turned her into a harlot who broke the heart of America's golden boy. The music video painted her as the villain dealing with an, unf- like the music video was like Justin dealing with an unfaithful girlfriend that really looked like Britney. And Justin, it like was perpetuating this rumor that Britney had cheated on Justin. In the book, she actually says that she did cheat on him. So that was true. Also confirms that he cheated on her. Yeah, he cheated on her too. It's like even Stevens. And then, (laughs) yeah, she said that the the video and the song was, you know, painting her as this harlot. But in reality, she was comatose in Louisiana while he was happily running around Hollywood. So I think that that narrative really got him into Hollywood. And it really was like, oh, poor Justin. Especially at a time when people were really wanting to take down female superstars yeah and they talk about now that people know about the abortion she did a music video in 2004 called every time and it portrays different scenes of britney navigating you know paparazzis a violent fight with her boyfriend an alleged suicide attempt and a scene like a childbirth scene 
And at the time, fans interpreted the lyrics of Every Time and the music video as an apology to Justin for allegedly cheating on him. But now fans on social media are finding connections between the memoir and the music video saying that it's like a reference to the terminated pregnancy, which I think is very intense. It is very intense. And I I was kind of surprised to see that she was even publishing a book because I just didn't think a memoir would be on the cards she was at least a few years out of this well I don't think she's written a word of it no but, but yeah I also think it's come at a really good time when we are going back and analyzing the way we treated certain people in the press and in the public and so it's coming out at a really good time when people are open to these kinds of conversations and I can I just also say for the record I'm so glad that she broke up with Sam Asgari he husband. was weird he Didn't was weird him. he was sus but interestingly the memoir was finished before her split from him so apparently it speaks quite glowingly I don't like him there was something rotten in Denmark there he's not like I don't vibe with him I don't trust him no and when everyone was like oh my god fairy tale wedding I was like get the prenup sign the prenup yeah did you see now that Britney's come out talking about the media reaction around the memoir so she said that she's not pleased with how she's been painted by the media thus far uh, saying, she says, my book's purpose was not to offend anyone by any means. That was me then. That's in the past. I don't like the headlines I'm reading. That's exactly why I quit the business four years ago. Most of the book is from 20 years ago. I've moved on and it's a beautiful clean slate from here. I'm here to establish it that way for the rest of my life. Either way, that is the last of it and shit happens. I understand that. Like she said that yeah. this is, it's just supposed to be closure. She's letting it all out so people can stop mm. speculating once and for all. I just wonder if she'll ever like get the coverage that she wants and that the coverage that she deserves because no matter what people are just going to latch onto the stuff that gets a headline and gets a click yeah we love a good scandal mm. but at the same time I almost feel like she needs to drop off the grid for a few years like she's been through yeah such an ordeal she needs to stop doing videos with knives yeah maybe maybe we take a break from yeah Instagram. but then like all like did you see that like when she does videos where she looks kind of freaky or she's got the knives or whatever fans then call the police oh wow and they call the police on her to do like welfare checks oh it's so messy it's very weird like intimate relationship that fans think they have with her but again it's like with any so- superstar we've just been talking about you know taylor swift we don't know taylor swift yeah we don't know britney yeah, we don't People know them think, at all. We think we know them, but we don't. It's your parasocial situation. Exactly. But yeah, that's why I'm so shocked that we are getting a memoir because it just seems too soon and it just seems like she's still in a phase where maybe we don't have the objectivity we need to speak about these kinds of really tricky things. No, I think it needs like 20 years of hindsight. It's like when the crown does stuff that is yeah. edging closer and closer to modern day. I'm like, maybe we could like give it a bit. We just need to let it stew. Yeah. Let I don't think we need a little to bit. do things right now. Hindsight is We're not there yet. We just need a bit of perspective. But another thing that I did enjoy knowing about Zoma, she spoke about her days partying with Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton. Love. And she said that... They weren't even that wild. I mean, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe that, but I do love that we're kind of getting that party girl renaissance. Yeah, I definitely like the Bimbo Summit vibes. Yeah. I definitely reckon that Lindsay and Paris are probably more wild than her. Yeah, I just enjoy that now they've all kind of gone, we were kids then. I know. What yeah. did you want us to do? Well, exactly. It's like what you're running around LA, barely old enough to drink with so much money. Yeah, completely unsupervised. Yeah. Now, Lindsay had a baby, Paris had a baby, whose first word we found out this week was yas. I loved that! I think that's gorgeous. 
I mean, it makes sense. Do you reckon his next sentence will be, that's hot? I really hope so. I'd love to be Paris Hilton's baby. And did you see that she, Britney also spoke about her fling with Colin Farrell? Like 2002 (laughs) Colin Farrell, which is like the hottest Colin Farrell there is. A really special era. I respect that. She said that it was a two-week brawl because we were all over each other grappling so passionately. It was like we were in a street fight. Whoa. Which is insane. I can't believe she wrote that. (laughs) Well, not her. Whoever she got to write the book. I can't believe they wrote that. Very intense. Paints a good picture. Are you going to read this? Yeah, absolutely. I will. I just feel like I need to. I feel like it's, it's just important. Can you read it and then you come back and give us all Should I do a, book a play review? by play? Yeah. Yeah, we'll do a book review. Because we know you'll sure. read it in 20 minutes flat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just think it's interesting, like no matter what, it's it's will be interesting to get insight into things that people have been wondering so much about. And she talks a lot about Crossroads as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you know that Shonda Rhimes wrote Crossroads? Shonda Rhimes is a busy, busy woman. Yeah. So Crossroads is this film that Britney was in with Zoe Saldana and Taryn Manning. It's basically about... Um, the story of three estranged childhood friends who reconnect after digging up a wish box that they buried as kids and they decide to enter a music competition in LA. Why not? But it was basically completely decimated by critics upon release and it was Britney's like first acting role. And there's a lot of discussion about this in the book and just generally because now all the Britney media is like bringing all the Crossroads fans out of the woodwork. I remember watching it when I was little. And it felt a bit too grown up for me to be watching. But now apparently because of what's happening with the memoir and things, so you can't find Crossroads online. You can't stream it anywhere. But now Britney is trying to get the film released so that it will accompany the launch of her book. Right. So Sony are now pick, have now picked up the film from its original distributor Paramount and bought the rights and it's going to be available for like her book launch. And then they're going to do a streaming deal so people will be able to watch it now. And I read an article, like, interview with the director. Tamara Davis said it was – the film was, as I said, decimated by critics. But she said, this film wasn't for you, so don't talk about it. I'm not going to give you the whole thing about Fast and Furious. This film was really made for girls by girls. Oh, I like that. And it was really interesting hearing her talk about Britney in the film because there's this scene in the film where Britney's talking to her dad. And she says, it was really intense when she's sitting on the bed talking to her father about how she missed out on being a teenager. That's her crying, telling us that longing that she missed out on everything. That's really her. When she's crying on the bathroom floor of that rejection by her mother, she gets rejected by her mom in the film. Um, We had to get her. We had to get to her, really her. She's not acting in that movie. So it's so curious to hear that she saw that too, that I was really making her feel and be seen in that character because she couldn't be Britney. Oh, wow. I know. I hope that she gets a coverage she deserves which isn't really happening yet but in good news the audiobook will be read by michelle williams which yes. is great that's huge michelle williams of like brokeback mountain fame not michelle williams from destiny's child <laughs> just yeah, to, true. just to clarify that speaking of coverage a lot of our favorite celebrities and other celebrities that we you know know are sitting down for some very interesting interviews yeah the that's happening in the glossies so i'm gonna start with uh Timothy Chalamet in GQ. So he's just done this really, really big article, which is really interesting. It's his third GQ cover and the third story that they've done with him. So they're basically doing, they do a check-in with him every few years to talk about his career. And the writer says, six years ago when I met him in his initial blush of fame from Call Me By Your Name, I saw up close a person in the last moments of their before life. Three years ago when we met for chapter two, I saw up close a person reckoning in real time with that rocket ship of fame and acclaim. And now this summer, here we were again doing a version of what we'd done before. So it's really interesting him just like 
hanging out with this reporter walking around New York, just chilling. And I find, I think we've talked before about how we both find celebrity profiles really fascinating. Yeah. Just someone spending a day or a couple of days hanging out with a celebrity, like it's completely normal and having these really deep conversations. Yeah. And doing really random things. Like they could just be getting food. They could be in a hotel room. And they go get food in this. They're just walking around New York. I'm like, you're just walking with Timothy Chalamet. Okay. They walk through NYU and. Oh, and he's like, these are my people. Because he used to go to NYU when there's this big rumor that he gave everyone in NYU chlamydia, allegedly. I believe it. This particular writer did the piece on Robert Pattinson from last year with the amazing photo shoot. I loved that. Aside from that, the writer, Daniel Riley, he mostly does sports-related pieces. Oh, interesting. And then Timothy Chalamet every couple of years. I think it's kind of nice to have someone who's not on that celebrity train. Yeah, But they drop in every so often. I think it lends a different perspective to someone who's like constantly around them and, and, you know, not might be like a star fucker, but someone who's constantly like in the orbit. And being yeah. like, I have to write something nice and non-offensive that will make them happy and make their people happy and then make GQ happy. And then we keep going, having this relationship. Whereas if you're a bit more removed, I think it lends a different perspective. And I feel like some celebrity profilers, they either lean into that, I'm not trying at all thing. Yeah. Super nonchalant, mm. super, this is just another day in my life. Yeah. Or they go too hard and they admire Kind of what we we're talking about with Fisher Stevens and David Beckham, where it's like, yeah, where the line is sort of blurred. Yeah. yeah. I think this was a really interesting chat, though. And obviously, he's one of the most famous people in the world, but it was interesting seeing him grapple with things that, you know, as people in their 20s, we also grapple with. Like, I'm 27 and he's 27, which kind of wigs me out a little bit. But he talks about things that you see as a normal person. He says, you know, he, he talks about seeing people from his high school getting married and friends having kids. And he says, you start wondering how long till you have to change. And I'm like, the fact that Timothy Chalamet is having the same universal experience that other people in their mid to late 20s are having is just insane to me. It did seem quite introspective. He talked a lot about how after high school, he had his head in the clouds, imagining his life as an actor. And then he became, he was quite out of touch with an in-touch life. But then during COVID, he was forced to become very in touch with my increasingly out of touch life. So I think it was like him grappling as a person who's become more and more famous throughout a very weird time in history. And it kind of makes me a bit sad. He says, he talks about going to his friend Julian's apartment and there's a Polaroid there of him uh, from 2015. And he says, when I see my expression there, I'm like, man, I feel like I've lived seven lives since then. And it, yeah, I think young people in Hollywood, there's a lot that they like go through and they grow up very quickly in there. You know, he was dominated for an Oscar when he was like, like what, 21, 22? You know, that's... Which is a baby. Yeah. I also feel like now is a very different kind of celebrity because before they were celebrities. They were untouchable. They were the aspirational yeah. rich people that had the lives, all the sparkles, all the glamour, all the money. But now they're kind of expected to be just one of the guys. Just, yeah. just another person. Like, look how humble and normal I am. We all put them up on pedestals and expect them to be like that. And then when they go against the grain, we all get mad. And I'm like, yeah. what do you expect? And social media has had a real hand to play yeah, I in think that. particularly for him because he's like a young, attractive guy who girls love got his start in a film that had an incredibly obsessive fandom I'm talking about, Call Me By Your Name, which was a really beautiful film that I now don't think I could watch again. And I so it's basically, if you haven't seen it, it's this film with Timothy Chalamet and with Army Hammer who they kind of have this love affair in Italy in the 1980s and Army Hammer's character is a little bit older and it's sort of this first flush of young love 
Uh, but obviously, Army Hammer has had several accusations leveled at him. Timothy's actually never spoken about it really, but he talks about it briefly in this article because he did this film called Bones and All, which is a basically like a cannibal film it's about a young couple who set across america and they are cannibals i think i've not actually seen it i don't understand what's with the cannibal love genre at the moment i don't know did you watch that one with daisy edgar jones and sebastian stan no but i do want to watch it no it's called fresh i watched it and i felt so uneasy oh really yeah i actually probably wouldn't recommend it oh really because i quite like sebastian stan i really like him and i really like daisy edgar jones yeah i just this one was weird it was supposed to be like a reflection on modern dating Mm. and it left me feeling so uneasy there wasn't really like a plot either it was well i mean modern dating is quite uneasy but that's interesting yeah without the flesh eating part yeah well that's fair enough yeah there was a real moment yeah actually the army hammer stuff happened and then it was announced that timothy was going to be in bones and all and because it was directed by the same guy who did call me by your name there was a lot of discussion a lot of whispers there were little whispers and discussion around that and so because army hammer was accused by several women of sharing sexual fantasies in which he represented himself as a cannibal some dms allegedly sent to one woman by hammer read i am 100 a cannibal i want to eat you <laughs> everyone was like oh as if timothy's doing this film it's so insensitive timothy said i mean what were the chances that we're developing this thing reflecting on that strange period when false reports suggested the film was inspired by the news it actually made me feel like now i've really got to do this because it is actually based on a book and then the reporter daniel riley asks him about army hammer and says i asked him to describe how he personally experienced the allegations against hammer and he says, I don't know, he said reluctantly. These things end up getting clickbaited so intensely. Disorienting is a good word. Yeah, it is. But then the woman, I mean, this is all heavily alleged. Like, I feel like every episode I'm like, this is all very <laughs> alleged. But did you follow House of Effie, which was the Instagram account that came out with the first allegations against him? I didn't. Okay, so I started following them when it all started in January of, I think, 2021. But she was kind of intimating that he had things to do with it I don't know it was very murky but I would I remember seeing that and I was like oh I feel a bit yeah it makes me feel so icky. makes me feel very icky but they also talk about Wonka what do you think about Wonka I'm not watching that film I, again leading on from last week I don't care and I also I want to leave Hugh Grant as like the Notting Hill Bridget Jones yeah. like yeah cynical heartthrob. He doesn't need to be an Oompa He doesn't need to be an Oompa Get it out of my face. I don't want to see it. Yeah, I just don't care that deeply in the Willy Wonka story. Yeah, no. Johnny Depp with all of his messed up flaws and morals. They did it well. Johnny Depp did it well. They made the story slightly spooky, Tim Burton. And they gave him backstory. There was that whole bit about him with the scary mask and how he loves eating chocolate. So why do we need a prequel? I also love the fact that obviously Johnny Depp was Willy Wonka and now Timothy Chalamet is... Oh my God, and he used to go out with Lily Rose. Yeah, Lily Rose Depp, Johnny Depp's daughter, which I'd I'd find that just like a fun little... I totally forgot about that. I also enjoyed in this cheeky article, he touched on Austin Butler and just said that this he This was a great part talking about Dune. So he's, Timothy plays Paul Atreides in Dune and Austin Butler is now going to play Fade Rautha, I believe is how you pronounce the name, which is basically the baddie to Timothy's goodie. 
In the 1980s film, Fade Routh is played by Sting, which I love. But I love this section. I just like that he has spoken like very highly of Austin Butler, who went out with Lily Rose Depp directly after Timothy did. Oh, yeah. They had those like weird photos of them making out. God, it's weird when people are yeah. seen like one time and then it's clearly they're like, oh, cool. This isn't working. Let's, let me move on. We remember we have the pat photos of yeah. him like taking photos of her in the street. We'll post them on Instagram. They're quite funny. That was so stupid. So I just love, I love that everyone's connected. Everyone's, Everyone's connected. Here. Thank you, celebrity PR machines. I liked the Timothy Austin stuff. I think it was interesting because in the first Dune, you haven't seen Dune actually, which we just discussed before, which made me a bit sad. I just, I don't really like sci-fi. It's a really good movie, but I get I'm, you. I'm also doing the, oh, you've recommended it to me. I'm never I know, watch you're it. doing the thing. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. But I liked because in the first Dune, it's very much like he's the young man on set and everyone else is like a little bit older. But in this film that's coming up, it's like Austin Butler and Florence Pugh and Zendaya because Zendaya was only in the first one for like seven minutes. I thought it was interesting that one of the Dune producers said that I think any great actor has a competitiveness to them and Timmy is no exception. Whether that's something they carry on the inside or just in paying attention to what their peers are doing, a scene only gets better when one actor really brings it and then everyone else elevates. So there's like a big showdown between their two characters, Austin's character and Timothy's character. And this producer, Kale Boynter, says, you're talking about two of the most talented young actors of our generation facing off. I would say Timmy's level of preparation going into the scene, well, knowing he was fighting Austin, enhanced it. Which I kind of loved. I can't wait to see them facing off. But to know that even not as Paul, but as Timothy, he's like, I'm going to fucking defeat this guy. Like, I'm going to go for it. But I'm also like, Timothy's like such a little, like, Victorian child. And Austin Butler's like, not ripped, but the physically they're pretty different. Did you read the bit about how Tom Cruise sent him an email? Yeah. That was so funny. <laughs> he says that after finishing the first June, that Tom sent him this email saying it included a Rolodex of sorts of all the experts he might need for stunt training motorcycle coach helicopter coach he basically said in old hollywood you would be getting dance training and fight training and no one's going to hold you to that standard today so it's up to you the email was really like a war cry in my head i'm like it's not that deep but i love it it's i the love most this passion Tom Cruise thing though because <laughs> then and then really. he said when he saw maverick he's seen maverick eight times <laughs> and he said it's one of the greatest films he's ever seen austin butler also did a an interview in interview magazine with josh brolin who's also in dune there was not a huge amount to say about that, I've got to be honest. I thought I'd have a lot more to say about it, but it was just like two pals catching up. I enjoyed it. And as a fun little tidbit, so as Cosie said, Josh Brolin did the interview, but he's also the son of James Brolin, who was very accomplished in his own right. And he's married to Barbara Streisand. I know. It's cute. And he used to be married to Diane Lane, who I love. I love those like connections. If you yeah. can't tell. This piece caught my eye just because it was titled Austin Butler Cleans Up. Mm, and I, nice. same with the Timmy one, it was called like timothy chalamet goes electric and yeah i hate that kind of headline i was about I to say it's it. kind of fun but yeah i get it but i quite enjoyed this bros being bros austin butler piece i like, thought it was nice just talking about motorbikes and being in california and surfing and austin butler seems so chuffed that he's finally a serious actor like you oh, can yeah. tell oh he's so happy everything he does is to 
reached this point. Yeah, he's he's done being a Disney boy. He's done he's being done. Sharpay's love interest. He in did the Nickelodeon thing. He's been in Tarantino. Like, he's made it. He is so happy. I thought he was too cute for these kinds of roles, but... He's got an amazing face. He Yeah, it's a good face, but... Yeah. You can also tell, like, in this interview, he's such a perfectionist about his work, which also you can see, like, given how deep he went on Elvis. I also think because Elvis was his first really, really big... Like, it's such a role to start on. It, I think starring role of someone people know yeah. and people revere. If you start like that, you have to kind of continue in that way. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting, like, even in the Timmy piece, because, he, you know, he's gotten so much flack for talking like Elvis. And then Timothy was like, oh, my God, he was already talking like Stellan Skarsgård. Because in the <laughs> film, he plays Stellan Skarsgård's nephew. And I just thought that was just funny that there was even a comment. He's just a sponge, which is good. I'm in waves about Austin Butler. I like him. And then I, the undercurrent is respect that he's made it this far. Speaking of Elvis, what do you make of the new Priscilla trailer? Oh, it looks good. And I don't like Jacob Elordi, so... And they're not... You don't? No, and they're not really painting Elvis in the best light, so I'm ready to hate Jacob Elordi. And I'm ready to hate Elvis. She's primed and ready. For those playing at home, Priscilla is Sophia Coppola's film about the life of Priscilla Presley. And it's very kind of more female-focused in her life. And and people are comparing Jacob Elordi's Elvis to Austin Butler's Elvis. I think, like, a Baz Luhrmann Elvis is always going to be different to a Sophia Coppola Elvis. Oh, like, I don't think it's... going to be a different film. Yeah, I don't think it's an even playing field. And also, we don't have to just hate Austin Butler because he kept the voice. No! We don't have to hate it. No. He's committed to the bit. You know what's really funny though? So Jacob Elordi is playing... This is another like yes. silly connection. Yeah, so Jacob Elordi is playing Elvis and Jacob Elordi used to go out with Kaya Gerber, daughter of Cindy Crawford, and they dressed up as Priscilla and Elvis for Halloween once and now Kaya's going out with Austin Butler. It's like the Elvis multiverse. She's got That's only Elvis two thing. films, but... They're connected. Still, it's that whole Hollywood. Young Everyone's Hollywood. connected. And also, we just don't need another goddamn Elvis film, but I am, I'll am i watch I'm happy for it because it's Sophia. I feel like yeah. if it wasn't Sophia, I wouldn't have much time for it, to be honest. Another art- celebrity article that's come out is Millie Bobby Brown in Glamour. And what are your thoughts on Millie Bobby Brown? I have no thoughts on Millie Bobby Brown. I've always seen her as that kid actor. I didn't watch Stranger Things I didn't watch Enola Holmes. I'm coming at this with no... You have no skin in the game. No skin in the game. All I know about her is that she had a weird friendship with Drake, which I think is a bit odd. I feel like she's been 19 for like 10 years. Yeah. I agree. So she's been covered in Glamour magazine as one of the one of their women of the year. And the title of the article is Millie Bobby Brown is not your girl next door. At just 19, our global woman of the year honoree is building an empire. She doesn't care whether you think she's too young for world domination. And it's a really interesting article. I'm kind of sad about her life. No, I actually don't know if I've seen her in anything. But she's so famous. So, like, I know that she's young. I know that she has a fiancé, which is insane to me. I know. Bon Jovi's son. Yeah. Another fun connection. I know. (laughs) So, the article has features him as well. She's only 19, which is insane to me. She became famous when she was, what, like, 11 or 12? Yeah. 2016 was the first season of Stranger Things. So, she's been in the public eye ever since then. Oh, God. In my head, I was like, that's, like, three years ago. It's really interesting how she comes across. She's just like, I'm somebody who wakes up, drinks a kombucha, pets my dog. You know, 
I think she's like kind of trying to be salt of the earth, but you just kind of can't be when you're that famous. But the article is also a bit puffy. It's like, she's not just a singular acting talent, but a shrewd businesswoman with her on-screen work, international beauty brand, her production company, which already has a hit on its hands with the Enola Holmes franchise. She's building a small empire. And this year she published her first novel, which is very controversial because she like had a ghostwriter for it. So there was a lot of discussion within the publishing industry about celebrities writing these sorts of books reminds me of when Kendall and Kylie wrote like their (laughs) YA dystopian thing right after the Hunger Games but it's yeah really interesting to hear her perspective on like life and stuff but she's I don't know it's really weird because she's getting married and she's 19 and she says her parents raised her you know to love hard and she's perfectly aware that everyone thinks that she's too young to get married but she also talks about all of the criticism and backlash she got while she would promote Stranger Things when she was really young. All of the kind of adult critics and whatever accused her of trying to steal the thunder of her castmates. And they called her like an idiot, stupid and a brat. And like, as she says, of course, it's hard to hear that at 13. It is. And I think we forget when we're watching media that they, they are kids. The actors are really, mm. really young. Mm. So it's interesting to hear it from the horse's mouth. And I think this might be why she's getting married so young. I don't know. She says, this is my life and the only people that are allowed are the people that I open the gate for. Other than that, everybody's out. And yes, it's sad. There are trust issues. And yes, I have issues with having friends. I don't have a lot of friends. Yes, I block out a lot of people. And I just think if you're like, like if that's how you're living life, no wonder she wants some kind of structure and security in like getting married. Yeah, Because that's probably how she sees structure and security is having that one person. She's also a special case, I think, because so many other child actors have um, been through that really rocky period where they went from child actor to a human doing human things yeah like Miley Cyrus and Alison Stoner has come out with a series called Dear Hollywood where she's breaking down what it's like to be famous as a child and working amongst adults and Alison Stoner was in Camp Rock and she was also one of the kids in Cheaper by the Dozen and Cheaper yes. by the Dozen too. she was like the little tomboy yeah Girl. super super cute whereas Millie Bobby Brown has received a lot of criticism from adults which is awful but she hasn't had that wild child narrative she hasn't been kind of demeaned in that way she has she's, had the whole like she's growing up very fast yeah thing. but I think it was like it's a classic thing though I feel like Natalie Portman and other people because I always forget that Natalie Portman was a child star and they talk about how Natalie Portman was like I made myself seem really reserved and bookish because so many people were so freakish about her people were counting down until she turned 18 and you know asking her had she lost her virginity and Mm. and things like that so it's like she had to kind of cocoon herself and protect herself because of that and Millie Bobby Brown has had really horrible you know like she's got a very funny relationship with Drake where when she was 13 14 Drake and she like they both said oh they text each other all the time and it's like what are you and Drake talking about and there was a very kind of iffy situation with this TikTok guy called Hunter and there was this relationship that happened when she was underage she was 16 and he was 20 and he can conf- they never explicitly confirmed that they were in a relationship but speculation arose when they were seen kissing and he basically came out on TikTok and said that he groomed her and that her parents had approved of their alleged relationship he was living in their house for 8 months and then he took back all the remarks her team then said that uh, his remarks were not only dishonest but are irresponsible offensive and hateful and she met Jake after that whole period so i think she's kind of had a couple of weird things happen with like older guys and her her work and that it's like aged her yeah beyond her years but now we don't know how to deal with her because we're like oh my god you're a 29 year old in a 19 year old's body like she's a 
UNICEF goodwill ambassador. Like she's she's playing this role of a much older woman. And like 19 year olds shouldn't say, I have issues with having friends. I will never let that gate open again because everyone's crossed it. Like you're a kid. Yeah, but it's she's had these experiences where she's been left vulnerable and, and things have happened. And, and she talks about, you know, how her parents are so amazing and stuff. And I'm like, I don't back her parents at all. No, parents of child stars, I feel so iffy about. And there are some very, there's, I listened to a very interesting podcast about Millie Bobby Brown and her parents and her whole thing. And it's uh, the podcast series that I really like called Beyond the Blinds, which is, it's all, again, like very alleged. It's all rumor and gossip and things, but they have some very interesting insights into Millie and her parents and that kind of child star dynamic and these sort of odd relationships that shouldn't really be happening. And they do. And I'm like, if you're a protective parent, you shouldn't be letting your kid message a 31-year-old rapper or however however old he was when she was younger. I agree. Even if it's he understands the industry, he understands the fame. No, No. I just I don't think that's a relationship that you should let slide or not question. No, like if you need if you want a mentor, get someone on the show, get one on a writer to be your mentor. Yes. Drake doesn't need to like help you with your career. Yeah. What's he going to know about being, I mean, he was a child star, but like, what's he going to know about the acting and just like, you know what I mean? It's just different and it's just odd. And I think when I saw the headline that she was named one of Glamour's Women of the Year. She's barely a woman. She's, she's, this is a girl. Yeah, she's a girl of the year. She shares the top award spot with America Ferreira, which makes a lot of sense. Like America Ferreira has had a real imprint on the industry. I love America Ferreira. She's amazing. And she's come kind of back onto our screens through Barbie. It's so interesting that Millie's in that category. Yeah, as well. I wouldn't put them in the same kind of cultural moment. No, neither. Maybe in a few years, absolutely. I think we can have the conversation about absolutely. why we revere Millie Bobby Brown as a woman. <laughs> yeah, totally. Not I'm not up for it yet though. And then she talks about how her dream was always to have a baby. I wanted to be the woman that my mum is to me and I wanted to be like the woman that my grandmother was to me. Go for your life, but like oh, it kind <laughs> of I don't know, it's sort of Gave me a bit of a chill. It's fine to be mature, I think. And it's obviously some 19-year-olds are wise beyond their years, whatever. But I do think we kind of have to preserve being a child yeah. for famous children specifically. Yeah, like there were definitely girls at my school who wanted to have kids like yeah. young. But I'm like, she's got so much ahead of her. She is on top of the world. All power to her if that's really what she wants. But I'm like, does she just want it because she's been so worked like a dog? for years yeah. as a child and that's a way for her to get off that train i just feel like we need to stop aging her yeah as an audience yeah. there was a funny part in the piece she credits her feminist awakening to a visit to a psychic who informed her that she was in fact a feminist i mean iconic <laughs> i kind of love that it's pretty camp but even that feels very like wise beyond her years like she founded a production company she's creating films with angela bassett and and robin wright and yeah, and Robin Wright. So she's doing things that make sense for someone who is a lot older than her. And it's just so bizarre to me. I think she wants control. And I think it's because potentially in her career, she has not had control. And I think she talks about she's going to star opposite ugh, one of our most hated people, Chris Pratt. Ew. In this new movie from the Russo brothers. Also, why are the Russo brothers directing every action movie ever in Hollywood? But anyway, she says that she goes on to talk about Chris Pratt and how he's such a great man, great actor, great co-star. And I thought this was really interesting. You rarely get that in this business to work with men that really support you and understand you and let you shine. And then the article says, have her past male co-stars treated her with the level, with that same level of respect? 
brown pauses for the length of a heartbeat. Some of them absolutely have, yes. And I think that's just so indicative of like, she's clearly had some great co-stars, but also some who have not been supportive and not, she hasn't had good experiences. No, I honestly don't know where I stand on it because I'm like, I, I think she's one to watch. And I think this conversation is one that... I think we'll definitely be revisiting. Yeah, and we should have it in relation to a lot of people, like even Billie Eilish. Oh, absolutely. We aged her beyond her years and that affected her... Absolutely. ...as a person. Because you're in such a formative part of your life and it stunts your... Like, it stunts where you are emotionally and yeah, whatever. And we, we did the same to Hilary Duff and the Olsen twins and people who we should have just let be kids basically any for everyone of that generation i think but she's one to watch she's very interesting she's very busy it's the kind of thing where you know when you're like 15 and you're like oh my god i'm the oldest i'm ever gonna be i'm a free bird like this is as good as it gets i could never be more mature than i am now like i'm such a mature teenager and then a week later you're like oh my god i was so young yeah and then even now like I know that there are gonna be people listening to this being like shut up you're so young (laughs) yeah but I think that's part of growing up it's still valid it's a valid experience it's a valid experience year on year decade on decade you're going holy geez I was a kid I was so little yeah and I just I kind of want to protect her from that because it's like she is going to get to a point where she's like oh my god I was saying that when I was 19 like that's so silly what a kid I was yeah I always want to protect her from that but there's no way that we can I also really want to know who these male co-stars are that she's Oh, yes. And I have a feeling, and this is really sad for me because I, like, love him, like, on a deep level. But I'm thinking it's got something to do with Henry Cavill. And I'm finding it interesting because he plays – so he plays Sherlock Holmes yeah. in the two Enola Holmes films. And in, in these films, she is Enola – oh, my God, sorry. Enola Holmes is Sherlock and Mycroft's younger sister. And Henry Cavill plays Sherlock, which fantastic casting choice, first of all. He's – always had very young girlfriends true and I just wonder about something with that dynamic because there was a very interesting article that came out last year where it says Millie Bobby Brown says she and Henry Cavill have a real adult relationship a healthy one and it was like interesting how she talks about like her adult bond with Henry Cavill compared to like the guys on Stranger Things and I'm like obviously Mm. it's a different relationship because he's an older man with Henry it feels like a real adult relationship one, we have terms and conditions. He has terms and conditions with me. I'm not allowed to ask about his personal life, like all these things. I just found it really, it really, I thought about it for a while. You can see that she is the product of all of these different little instances of, whoa, bit weird. Maybe in a few years she'll come out. Write a memoir, Millie. Yeah, give me a 90-year-old memoir. <laughs> Please, come on. It's, it's the same as when you get like life advice books by people in their 20s. Oh, I know. Like, I'm like, oh, thanks so much. Thanks for, for your, your wealth of knowledge. Your life lessons, you big 25-year-old. But in some other news that seems to have broken while we were recording this, uh, Rebecca Luz has opened up to the Mail on Sunday about her alleged affair with David Beckham after the release of the Netflix series Beckham. Thoughts, feelings, emotions. I am a little bit over this story. I Same. think I honestly think she should have just 
not said anything. I, I don't know. I'm in two minds because I'm like, yes, defend yourself. Yes, if you're receiving harassment, speak up about it. But the Beckham documentary wasn't about the affair. And when no. it was about the affair, it was David looking pretty sheepish. And she wasn't mentioned by name in the documentary, but also it was never confirmed, which was sort of annoying. The series like touched on the alleged infidelities. Her name is never mentioned and David fully never fully confirms if the rumors are true, but it's heavily intimated that they are. And in this new interview that she's done, she said she's speaking out because so many people had forgotten about this. So many people put all this behind them, this whole affair, the scandal and everything. And he's dragged it back up again in a way that is affecting my reputation, which I don't think they dragged it back up. I think they were filming a docuseries about their life and they didn't they didn't bring out any new information about her. No, and I, I think it's it would have been... And as we said a couple of episodes ago, Fisher Stevens probably could have probed further. Oh, abso- he, absolutely. He didn't. And also, I, I don't think she had a reputation to begin with aside from being the one involved with David Beckham. But she did say, following rumours about their relationship, Beckham did not renew his contract with SFX, which was the global management company that employed Rebecca. She was asked if she wanted to work in the London office, but by then I was pretty much done with the sports industry, she says. She adds, it was a sad time. That job was the highlight of my career. The affair with Beckham ended shortly afterwards. I think maybe, I, I think there would have been more value in staying quiet. I agree. She came out at the time. Yeah, she came out at the time. She was, and I don't think she should have spilled this story publicly to begin with. No, I agree with that. Yeah. And she also says in this interview that it felt as though David Beckham was blaming her for the hurt that Victoria went through. I didn't really get that though. I feel like he kind of took response as much responsibility as he could take without outwardly admitting what had happened. Yeah, I don't think he deflected blame. I think he was just vague. And I, there's a difference between deflecting and being vague. And he didn't, I don't think he wanted to come out and say, yes, I had an affair. There are some circumstances where I think the mistress, the other woman should speak out like Monica Lewinsky. Also very very different. Very different. But I agree. Yeah. I don't think there's value in taking that kind of Monica Lewinsky path because Monica now advocates against victim harassment and online bullying. And she's grown her platform to support victims obviously like there was a power imbalance there with her and clinton there's obviously a power imbalance between beckham and an assistant yeah but it's also like a very different situation it's a very beckham different is not the leader of the free world it made me think of a piece that monica Lewinsky wrote for vanity fair earlier this year mm. where she listed 25 random things she's learned in 25 years since the scandal and number four is the blame the woman mindset has thankfully receded over time through social conditioning one prime example what began in 1998 as the Lewinsky scandal or the Lewinsky affair an overheated trope straight out of Watergate underwent a nomenclature upgrade as the years marched on the culture and the media adapted at the insistence of many offended observers and arbiters, including this magazine, to rebrand the whole narrative as the Clinton scandal or the Clinton impeachment or other taglines that were more in keeping with the original power dynamics. Yes, I'm still lobbed in there on Wikipedia, but there's time. I don't think this is comparable to Rebecca Lou's because it's the David Beckham scandal. Yeah, and it always has been. I agree. She she was in it, but it was never the defining feature of it it was more like about Beckham and their marriage and I think a lot of the hate she's getting now is from pro Beckham people I don't think it's from some of it's misogynistic yes but I don't think it's it's, people who love Beckham yeah I think she might be digging herself in a bit I think there's more power in going I know my truth the people around me know the truth especially when the docuseries has just come out and it's all shiny and golden and glory and she does say, to be fair, like, I very much accepted the choices I've made, the mistakes I've made. I've come to terms with them. In hindsight, they've been the best lessons I've learned in life. That path, those mistakes, everything I've learned along the way has brought me to where I am today. 
I'm like, that's great. But did we have to have the whole video interview as well, which was what she does. It goes for seven and a half minutes. It's not exactly lending her credibility. It's not like she's going to the Sunday Times or going to still very tabloid. Yeah, and it always has been. She's always kind of accepted the interviews and the money for it, which is why. Yeah. And she's talking about it tarnishing her reputation. That's her reputation. And like, no doubt they did have the affair. Like, I think it did. Yeah. It clearly clearly did happen, but it's like. And I never think the other woman is as culpable as the cheating man ever. I just don't think it's going to help. No, I think she's getting paid for it. Yeah. I think it's, and I think that's horrible to say, but I think in this case, I think there's money and there's a reason to talk about it again. Yeah, for her. Totally. For her at least. Because it's an unavoidable part of his story that it would have been more scandalous, I think, to not even bring it up at all. They barely go deep on it. But I think if they hadn't brought it up, there would have been way more headlines. And she probably would have come out anyway saying, Netflix ignored my scandal with David Beckham. How dare they, you know, whitewash this history or pretend like it never happened. Yeah. It's a tricky one. You're not going to win either way. You're not going to. So I think that's just more power in staying quiet. Yeah, we're ending on a bit of an ick note this week, but thank you all for joining us of episode six and um, we'll see you next week. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, all of the socials. Yeah, all of the all of the usual. And anything that we reference in episodes as well, any articles, anything like that, we do always put in our show notes. I feel like I should say that more uh, on Apple and Spotify. When you like see the episode, you can click see more and it has all the links to stuff that we've talked about specifically uh, for your reading and viewing pleasure have a read have a watch and come back next week yes all right that's all bye bye